In our examination of football in the state of Wisconsin, it's important that we don't neglect to learn about football at the youth level. Jeff Patterson joined us on the Sport and the Growing Good podcast to discuss his journey through football. Jeff was a great football player in college at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, and he came from North Chicago before he was at Whitewater. He's known around the community as JP, his initials, Jeff Patterson. So he goes by JP, and he has been an impactful person in Madison and all of the southern part of Wisconsin for many years. But football was a big part of JP's journey. His own journey as a player finished at the college level, but he's continued to have a big impact on the game in the state as a youth football coach in the Madison area. So I was really excited that JP would come on with me today and share about his perspective on coaching youth. I learned from him a lot, as I always do. I've known JP over the years, and he's one of the people I admire most for all that he does in our community, for the way he acts as a leader in so many ways. So I can't imagine learning from a better person in our focus on football and the state of Wisconsin. thinking back to my dad I mean he, he was dedicated that's, that's one thing I'm gonna say right off the top he's dedicated to to the team to the to the program to the families to the to the kids um, and um, he, he just he, he enjoyed what he what he did you know he wanted to see people um, excel you know grow and that was that was his thing he wanted to make sure that he was a positive part in their journey what did your dad coach specifically? Um, he, he coached football, youth football. He coached high school football, and then he coached um, uh, semi-pro football. He also coached uh, baseball. He coached, coached youth baseball, little high school baseball. Um, and one of his, his uh, youth baseball teams went to the um, Little League World Series. Mm. And, I mean, he, he definitely was a, a good baseball coach also. So was he an athlete himself growing yeah, up? Yeah, he played football and baseball growing up. And but basketball. And basketball. He played basketball too. Was he in a school district coaching, or was this on top of his regular job and everything else? This was on top of his regular job. He, he coached for a, a program in our, our city of North Chicago. Am I correct in in you telling me that there's actually a street named after your dad now? Yeah, exactly. The street we, we grew up on, um, it was called Prospect Avenue, and it's now uh, John Patterson Sr. Drive. Yep, and the community was there to, to um, you know, accept it and um, have fun and um, celebrate it. So it was, it was definitely well, well worth it. There must be a story there beyond just coaching a bunch of teams. What was it that made him so impactful that he had a street named after him? Well, our, our city wasn't that that big, maybe, maybe 38,000 people. Um, um, and everybody knew him. You know, he, he was, he, he ran the youth center. He was commissioner at, at the youth uh, youth center and, and for the league. Um, 
he, he coached many, many, you know, people in the city. Um, so he was, he was some, someone that people looked up to, you know, everybody knew who he was. So um, when, when he passed, you know, it was a loss for, for our city of North Chicago. It was, it was definitely a, a void. Um, so when it came time to ask the city about, you know, renaming the street after him, it was, it was all thumbs up, you know. You said he was committed, committed and dedicated. So he clearly put in a lot of hours and was, had the best interest of a lot of kids and families. What was he like with the kids? Yeah, he, he had fun with the kids. I mean, he had fun with them. He, he didn't take any, any junk, you know, he, he, he wanted to make sure, you know, he was respected, you know, and um, he wanted to make sure he was able to teach them something. You know, he wanted to make sure if, he, if he's coaching baseball, he's going to teach them the fundamentals of the baseball game. If he's teaching them football, they're going to learn the fundamentals. You know, he wanted to make sure that if he had them, they were going to be better than they were when he got them. You said North Chicago was small. I didn't realize that it was so it was like a discrete community of about 30,000 people. Mm-hmm. And I always think of the broader Chicago region as just this sprawling yeah, just huge area, but did it have a smaller town feel to it? And what were the other kind of um, institutions or things that families were a part of? Was the schools or churches or what? What is what? What else were people involved in? Yeah, so when you think of North Chicago, it's it's almost like it's it was next to Waukegan, Illinois, Gurney, Illinois, Lake Forest, Illinois, and we were all suburbs of Chicago. Um, so it was like little bitty, little bitty cities, but it, it was the, the suburbs. So it was still a lot, of, a lot of people around the area, but where we were, we all went to North Chicago High School. Um, as far as, you know, other than sports, of course, you know, the churches were there. Um, you know, people, you know, went to different churches or the same one. There was some uh, camaraderie around that. Um, the youth center in North Chicago is where the hub was. That's where um, you sign up for football, basketball, baseball. Um, that's where everybody hung out. You know, that was the, the center of the city. So that's where everything started. You know, and, and my dad, he was the commissioner of the youth center at, at, at a point and the program director at, at a point. So, um, you know, it was, it was like the, 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 the main part of communicating and connecting people in our city. And you yourself developed as a really good athlete. And what was the process, JP, of coming? I'm skipping a lot of years from when you were a, a young kid, but you eventually went to Whitewater and became a football player and a student at Whitewater and had a great experience there. How did you end up choosing to go to Whitewater? Yeah, so it's a funny story. So North Chicago High School, our, our mascot is the Warhawks. So North Chicago Warhawks. And uh, sophomore after sophomore year of football, you know, our, our, our varsity coach wanted us to start looking for football camps. So there was a football camp, uh, UW, Wisconsin, Whitewater, Warhawks. So when I saw the Warhawks and we were Warhawks, I was like, man, we got to go to that camp. So we ended up going to Whitewater for football camp. And um, we went there 
going into our junior year and going into our senior year. So we, 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 the coaches knew who we were. They, they were able to see the talent we had. And um, that's kind of the connection from North Chicago to UW-Whitewater um, was through going to football camp and then creating a relationship with the coaches through, through camp. That's amazing. Something as simple as a um, team mascot could change your life like that. Yeah, <laughs> you, may, sure. you may have never ended up in Wisconsin if not for the Warhawks. That's right. That's true. That's that's yeah. amazing. Um, whether at at Whitewater or before being there, were there other coaches in addition to your dad who were impactful upon you? Yeah, before before um, Whitewater. My, my sophomore basketball coach named Bob Eshman. Um, when I think about coaches, you know, back at home, I've had, had many. You know, my dad was, was my coach too, you know. Um, but Bob Eshman, um, he was sophomore basketball coach. And back there, we had, we had a freshman team, we had a sophomore team, and then the juniors and seniors played varsity. And then the varsity reserve was called JV, so they were the JV. So they were all juniors and seniors. But um, he was a great coach. Um, he did more uh, than just coach. You know, he, he was the Fellowship of Christian Athletes coach at the school, FCA. So um, with that, he had FCA meetings on Sundays where the, the athletes got together and we got to go to the gym and shoot around. And then we had like 30 minutes of, of Bible study, you know. Um, and uh, that was my gateway to becoming a Christian, actually, um, going through the, the FCA coach, Bob Eshman, you know, presenting, you know, the Bible to me and verses that correlates with sports or correlate with, with life lessons. So, yeah, Bob Eshman, he was my basketball coach. He was a good coach. You know, he was very well temperament. You know, he, he, he taught well. And he taught off the court, so that was that was huge. Was he a teacher in the school? Yes. Don't don't ask me what what he taught because I can't remember right now. Yeah. Get, get me if, if you hear that too. But yeah, he was he was a coach in the school, so he was he was in the school with us. I'm again going to skip over a whole lot because I there's so much I could ask you, but you eventually went to Whitewater, had great success there, and as an athlete and as a student in every way. And then I know, I know the backstory of, of you coming to Madison a bit and ending up having mentors that professional mentors for you that led you to Madison to stay here for the long haul. Mm -hmm. And that you have had so much of an impact with your shop and beyond your shop in our community. But one of those areas is in coaching youth football and that you've done that for years. What exactly have you coached JP just as a bit of a background for anyone who's listening? Well, of course, coach football, youth football. I did coach at Whitewater also. Um, uh, I coached receivers. I was a student assistant. I coached youth basketball. Um, and back when I was in North Chicago, I coached youth baseball. Um, so those are, you know, the, the sports I've coached. Most of them been youth. And then the one in the college when I was with the Whitewater Warhawks. I live right here near Memorial High School in Madison, and I, when I walk by the field in a typical fall, not this fall, but I often will see, you know, all of these, I see the big high school kids practicing over on the side or by the, the middle school, 
you see the younger kids playing football, practicing all week and then playing on Saturday mornings. And you've been out there coaching for years, coaching youth football through that program. What are you hoping for when you work with young people at that level, starting with the young ones, fourth grade, fifth grade, up through the kids before they get into high school? Yeah. So the, the big thing is, you know, I know as a coach, you know, they look up to you. And first thing is, is creating a relationship with, with, the, with the kids. I want to be able to create a relationship with them. Um, therefore, I can, I can have the air to train them. And I, I look for um, growth. I look for, for growth from first day in the camp to the last practice and last game. I want to, want to see that, that they have grown um, skill-wise, grown as young men, and um, it's, I mean, it's important, the role that we have as youth coaches is not all about the, the, the scoreboard, the wins, the loss. Um, it is about, you know, having success on the field, you know, being able to, to, to make the correct block or to make, make the correct read or, you know, do things correct. But every time it's correct don't mean that it's going to be a victory behind it. It may mean that you did that right for that, that moment. And being able to teach the, the, the young man to how, how to handle a loss, how to handle, you know, we lost a game, but, you know, we played well. Or, you know what, we lost a game, we can get better. You know, it's always something positive in, in a situation. You just got to find it. The youth situation is interesting because you you get relatively short time with the kids. You know, like a college coach has many, many hours and, and even high school coaches get kind of year round a lot of time with kids. How do you develop a relationship in that kind of s small amount of time? Are there little tricks you've learned along the way about how to get to know kids? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. You you, you hit it on the, on the button, man. It's it's a short period of time. I mean, we have them, you know, for the the kids we we've coached from fourth grade to to maybe seventh. We get them for two hours, you know, maybe maybe two to three times a week. So in six hours, you know, we got to train them. We got to teach them life lessons. We got to condition them, and you know, that's beyond the situation of academics or, or how things are going on at home. Um, you know, we're trying to figure all that and muddle all through the, all that at the same time as prepare them, you know, for a, a competition on, on, on that Saturday. So, yeah, we, we don't get enough time with them. Um, I think just, I mean, just cherishing those times that, that we have. I know um, some of the coaches I've coached with, throughout the years, we stop practice and have life lessons. You know, we, we, we talk about different situations and try to teach them situational things that they, they, they can use outside of being on the football field. And I think that's important because, you know, knowing how to block or knowing how to catch the right pass or throw the right pass may not get you out of situation outside of, of outside the lines of the football field. So, um, yeah, we, we, we don't have enough time. What do you aim for with families with youth football, and how do you interact with them? Yeah, number one thing, as, as a head coach, I've been a head coach through, like, five years with my older son, Jairus, and the, the key is 
is communication. Um, communicating with the parents, um, being able to be transparent with the parents, that, that take you a long way rather than a parent guessing or making assumptions on why they, their kid may not be playing much or why the kid come home super tired. You know, it's just, you know, communicating. If that means emailing after each practice, if that means a long email at the beginning of the week or email at the end of a game, you know, explaining everything. Um, that communication creates a, a, a relationship between the coach, coaching staff, and the parent. So that that's one thing I've learned, you know, you got to communicate. You got to be, you know, and if they need to meet with you one-on-one, meet with them one-on-one, you know, just make sure you make yourself available because once you close down, um, is is not a good situation. That youth level is interesting because you have a lot of families maybe in formal sport for the first time, or it's they're they're early on in their experience in sport, and so there's m- maybe a lack of general information that they might have, but also there might be outsized expectations they have for their child, or maybe a lack of reality sometimes in what they're hoping for out of the experience. And, and I've talked with you about this a lot over the years, and we've both experienced it together in different ways, is this idea of conflict that most people come into youth sport with, you know, they, they want their kids to participate and to have a great experience, but there's often tough things that happen, whether it's a kid not playing enough or something happens with a relationship. So I've often commiserated with you about conflict I've had, but have you learned any tricks about how to deal with conflict in coaching football? Um, I mean, it, it go back to um, just thinking about a situation, you know, I've dealt with, with um, a player with conflict. You know, I, I, I go right to the parent with the child. Um, if they're meeting at, at home, at their house, at my house, at the football field, and just try to be transparent, you know, try to be transparent. Um, the, the best thing, you know, that can happen is have those guidelines at the beginning of the season. If there's guidelines at the beginning of the season, parents sign off on them, kids sign off on them. Now you can go, it's black and white. You know, you can go by what the kids signed up for, what the parents signed up for, um, and make your decision based, based off that. And that's kind of some of the things we've done at our program was to go through those expectations and, you know, follow through them. One expectation that we deal with is green cards. Those are academic cards that each student have to have their their teachers um, sign off on each week. And we need to get copies of them before game time in order for the kid to play. Um, And there's been conflict with that where kids don't bring them or there's um, bad reports on on the um, on the academic card, and we have to go by our plan that we have. If someone comes in with a bad report card or or bad grade, so um, it's all about transparency. That that helps everything. There's a tricky line it seems to navigate because on one hand you want to hold all kids accountable and make sure they're all following the rules, but on the other hand, if you know a rule is broken or some sort of conflict happens, the decision to remove a kid from a game or even from a team 
is kind of a heavy decision because if a kid, if you take that away from a kid, then what fills that void? Yeah. Um, have you had to navigate that dilemma before? Yeah, of course. And, you know, in, in the years I've coached, I've had kids that, that couldn't play because of actions that, that they did, you know. And for, for me, I tried to have them stay with the team. They, they dress with the team. Well, not full uniform, but they had their jersey on. They help, you know, maybe it's with, with taking water out to the, the, uh, the players at halftime or on the timeout um, or helping me, you know, with plays. You know, I, I try to keep them incorporated so they still feel part of the squad. They feel part of the team, but they're just not on the field to, to, to help physically. I meant to ask you this question a little bit ago, um, but you've had this experience with all, a lot of different sports. Is there anything unique about football that you see as valuable? Um, something about the nature of the game that you see is especially good? And, and then on the flip side, are there negatives that you're wary of with football? Um, when I think about the game of football, um, it, it can't be played individually. It's, a, it's a definitely a team sport. It's, it's your offensive line blocking. It's your quarterback making reads. It's your, your receiver running routes right. It's the ball getting to the right spot. So success in, in, in football depends on the team. And when you think about the team plays, you think about practice, you think about the scout team running plays against your defense, you know, getting your defense ready for a game. That scout team is just as valuable than the guys that's on the field during game day. You know, um, one um, project I always do with the kids at the beginning, I talk to them about team. And I uh, tell them there's 11, 11 people on the field at a time. And we need all 11 people to work together. I said, so um, I pull out 11 pencils, brand new pencils, and I wrap them together and I hand them to each person. I said, try to break these pencils. You know, try your best, best to break them. And, and, and they can't break 11 pencils. I said, okay, take one pencil out and try to break that. So of course they can break one pencil, take two pencils out, you can break two. So what's the moral of the story here? The moral of the story is as if we can stay together, stay together as a team, it's hard to break us. But once you get individuals, trying to go off on their own, then a team can easily be broke, you know. So that's one analogy I use with the, with the kids when it comes to teamwork. That's a great one. I haven't heard that one before. Mm -hmm. The thing that jumps out at me of that is kind of a simple thing is the sheer numbers of kids involved in football are usually large. You have 11 mm -hmm. kids as opposed to a lot of other sports. I mean, 11 on the field at once and often yeah. the high school – team the football team is probably the biggest team in most schools yeah. that's a lot of kids to be working together a lot of kids that you can have a positive impact on yeah for sure and 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 also in the you know we're living in a time right now where there's just a lot of difficult stuff happening and of social division and learning yeah, to sure. work mm -hmm. with people who are different from yourself is a really seemingly right. good thing exactly my last question for you, JP, are, do you have any particular stories that come to mind over the years? I know asking you this is tough because you, 
having spent time around you, I know that there are literally hundreds, hundreds of kids you've impacted, but are there ever stories of a particular kid who you've worked with through a sport that you view as like a, a success story? So I'm going to start off with, with my son, Jairus. Um, you know, just watching him from when, when you had him, Pete, in basketball, you know, um, his skill level, um, being able to see, see him grow and have a pretty good junior, uh, sophomore year, a JV year in basketball. But uh, football just amazed me how, how he is on, on the football field. Um, just, you know, because I coached him from fourth grade through eighth, and he was real timid, real timid fourth through sixth. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, what, what can I do to get some fire under this guy? And it, it came to a point in the seventh grade where it just clicked. It, it just clicked. He became a, a real serious defensive player. I think he was a better defensive player than a receiver. But um, his, his skill level is, is, is really good. Um, of course, I have other, other kids I've coached, um, you know, that, that have surprised me, you know, throughout the years. And I know it's, it's not just because of me. It's not because of me. It's because the community. It's because the, the coaches around us. It's, it's a group thing. Um, I work out. I have the kids work out with J.C. Dawkins. You know, J.C. worked with them with footwork, with skill, with agility, you know. Uh, Coach Harris is a good mentor, you know, um, and even you, Coach Pete, you know, being able to to, to work with the kids and, and work with Jairus and the guys and, and give them some some quiet confidence, you know, you know, being able to, to trust their skill, um, and it's it's been a been a group thing. Um, I'm excited about you know what's to come whenever it start back up, you know, but yeah, I mean this it's been it's been great. One of the things that jumps out at me when I think about um, even, for example, Jairus is from the time, you know, I had the privilege to coach him as a young, young kid. And then now to see, you know, he looks like a grown man walking around, not, not just the physical maturation, but the development of the person, you know, and, and how they engage others and how they interact with people. Have you seen development in that regard? Do you, what's been the role of blossoming as an athlete as it impacts, say, Jairus's development as a as a young man, not anything to do with football. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you know football ha- has probably molded him and gave him confidence. Um, but he he's really good at communicating to his friends. You know, trying to make great decisions off the off the field, off the court. Um, he he's a he's a quiet leader. You know, he, he leads by example. He's not the one that's going to be yelling, you know, don't do this or do this. You know, he, he he's a he's a quiet leader. He leads by example. Um, and then he got his younger brother, Dane, that, that watches him. So he know his actions is being being watched at all times. I always tell him that you're being auditioned at all times. You're always being watched. You're always being graded. So make sure you put your best foot forward each each time you, you, you move. Well, I know they. I know where they get that example. So, it's it's really it's actually really neat to hear the example of your own father, and then to 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 see how that impacted you, and then you've um, modeled it now to see your own. You know, the, the third generation 
carrying out the, the message is pretty cool. Yeah, thanks. If a young coach were to ask you, what should I prioritize working with kids? Um, what would you say? What would be your message to a, say someone else who wanted to coach fifth grade football? Yeah, first thing I'm going to tell them, it's going to go fast. It's going to go fast. So make sure you plan to whatever message you want to get across, whatever you want to teach, make sure you, you, you attack that right away because next thing you know, season starts, season's over. You know, next season starts, season over. Next thing you know, they're in high school. So um, make sure you, you figure out what you want to teach, whatever life lessons you, you, you have, and make sure you, you, you drill that into them, you know. And there's going to be more than just football. If I, once I think about my, my fourth grade group to eighth grade group, I would say probably less than 50% of them are probably still playing football, about 50%. And that means the time I had with them, it's about life lessons for those that, that, that's off the field now. So um, we just got to look at them as we got an opportunity to shape, you know, what they're doing outside of, you know, outside the gridiron. 